Welcome to Meet the Filmmakers at the Apple Store Regent Street in London. Please welcome tonight's moderator, broadcaster Edith Bowman. Hello. You can see the smile on my face. Just being in the world of the Muppets uh, today has been just an absolute, well, oh, it's been brilliant. Um, something, you know, growing up with, I'm sure a lot of us are, are the same. So when we get a an injection of the Muppets on a regular basis through these great films. It's nothing but greatness, I think. Um, I'm excited to introduce these two gentlemen to you, but before I do, um, let's take a look at the Muppets Most Wanted. This March, the world's most dangerous criminal has a lot in common with the world's most famous frog. It's not easy being mean. <laughs> Constantine, the world's most dangerous frog, has escaped. Check this out. Oh, look, it's Kermit. Ah! Oh, what did you do with Kermit? <laughs> there must be some mistake. I'm Kermit the Frog. What are you doing? I I'm not Constantine. You're going to be here a while. Do you guys think that Kermit's been acting a little weird lately? Hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here. Kermit the Frog here. What the? What is this, a toy? This is my car. It is illegal now for its massive size. Not to mention my badge is bigger. This is my travel badge. Here's my real badge. You must have been looking at the wrong badge. My name will go down in history as greatest thief of all time. I mean our names, right? Of course. My name first, then spacebar, 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 your name. To London! Madrid! Dublin! The world capital of comedy, Berlin, Germany. Ich bin ein Berliner! More like ein Frankfurter! <laughs> Watch it, buster! <laughs> International tour manager. Dominic, bad guy? Bad G. It's French. Oh. There's only one guy in this world who can save us. Oh. Only one frog who can restore order. Let's get out of here. Bring justice oh. and set things right. Kermit, you were like James Bond back there. Thanks, Fozzie. Muppets Most Wanted. Not one single person noticed I'd been replaced by an evil criminal mastermind? It sounds worse than it was. I am Kermit. No, that's as bad as it sounds. Please welcome to the stage director and writer James Bobbin and Ty Burrell. Neither of you heard that, but there were big gasps from the front <laughs> of excitement from this front row. Was, Wish we'd had was, the mic. That up. was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, James, first of all, congratulations on another brilliant Muppet film. Thank you. No, thank you. It's my pleasure. My um, pleasure. Ty, I'm going to start with you. If that's okay, what is it like? For, what was it like for you? And is like for you being yeah. submerged in the world of these characters? Well. Uh, they basically had to be patient with me, you know, it's sort of like don't work with kids and animals, but also don't work with, you know, Ty Burrell. Um, they, they're a very finely tuned machine, you know, they've been at it for, I don't know, however many years. What 60 years. 60 years. Um, and they're generally doing about seven things at once. 
and I'm basically just trying to save my line. So there, you know, you you uh, you try to kind of uh, gently and humbly, uh, you know, find the rhythm, and mm -hmm. they're they're also just a lovely group of guys. So yeah. they made it very easy. Um, when did you know there was going to be a sequel? Well, when I was making the first one, I was kind of thinking all the time what we would do next. And the, and the <laughs> first one kind of ends in a very open way. And so I thought, well, because it's a Muppets movie, we can ask that very question in the movie itself. So the film starts with everyone going, well, what are we going to do now? And I love that idea. You can just do that in a Muppets film. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you then go into a song called We Are Doing a Sequel. <laughs> is the first <laughs> song in the movie, which is kind of like not even of the movie. Then the movie itself then starts. So that was kind of how I wanted to start the movie. Do you get creative license then working yeah, on a film Yeah, in a way, like you never would have anything else. And it's the, the joy of writing this is you can write stuff that you probably wouldn't get away with anywhere else. And that's sort of that's just a great uh, it's freedom as a writer. It's really fun. And how, how did that, how did the, 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 you know, the film come together in terms of, do you have in your head who you want, uh, you know, in terms of, of, of real actors along with those Muppets yes. and then the story yes. then kind of wrote yes. itself there are, almost? there are people in the world, there's two people, two thoughts in the world, there are people who are Muppety and there are people who are not Muppety. <laughs> <laughs> and Ty is Muppety. <laughs> Please take that as a compliment. I I no, it's a compliment, I very much mean it's a compliment. <laughs> I, I absolutely do, I think. Um... There, you know, I've been asked like, "Who's your favorite Muppet?" And the more time I kind of ruminate on that thought, it's uh, not my favorite Muppet, but I'm starting to realize that Jean Pierre is just uh, like just a hair's breadth away from being a Muppet. <laughs> That's so, very true. <laughs> yeah. And what about in terms of the the kind of musical elements to 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 the film as well? Does does um I don't know. Does that come after? Is that in your head as your not really it's all part of the same process in script writing yeah. when I'm writing with Nick we write the script together and then every now and then we'd have a th thought this would be a good place for a song and often we just write the title of the song in you know we're doing a sequel number one number two uh, you know something like that, you know and then then we give that to Brett and then having worked with Brett for many years on Friday the Concord to have a very good sort of shorthand together yeah. and so Brett would literally take the, the title or maybe just the idea paragraph what it could be about and then go away for like two months and then come back with something which is automatically brilliant and usable <laughs> and I, I give him no notes and just we just make whatever he wants to make because he's really funny and gets it every time and I'm just so lucky to have him because these songs in this film are so fantastic they they tell the story they're funny and they're catchy he's very good at melody and that's and I've got kids and I know that melody is very important for them you have to you know you want to be humming the tunes mm -hmm. and he's very he's a very good tune meister I say so you know he's really good at that and that's a great gift um with your double act sir with yourself and, and your character Jean-Pierre and Eagle mm. um Oh, I it's, see. Yeah, it's it's a great. It is a great double act. There are great double acts in the world, and they they make a good double act. Yeah. Do well, uh, do I hear spin-off? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ooh. I see. A, there's a buddy cop movie there. <laughs> no doubt. I'm I'm too old for this stuff. That's for me. And then he's always in a fight with the sergeant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, from the outset, there's the the all the running gags of. Uh, America versus Europe, basically. So there's tons of tension there from the beginning, and then <laughs> I love the the arc that we basically have just like complete and total platonic love for each other. We, we can see a bit of an example of that right now, actually. Oh, okay. So this is the uh, this is the first meeting. CIA, Interpol. What is the CIA doing here? This is my jurisdiction, not to mention my badge is bigger. One of the stolen paintings was on loan from the New York Metropolitan Museum of Art. So, this is CIA jurisdiction. Also, this is my travel badge. Here's my real badge. Oh, you must have been looking at the wrong badge. <laughs> and then I'm going to go straight into the next clip because it's great to see that kind of like you talk about the arc. That keeps and this going, is that joke. The start <laughs> of it, yeah. Uh, and this is... Uh, this. 
the visual side of the comedy as well is, is brilliant. Uh, and this is a great example of that. Exactly what are we doing today? I am doing my job. All we need to do is look at the map with the blinky lights and wait. This is how it is done here in Europe. In America, we use 3D satellite LED displays, not cardboard with Christmas lights stuck through it. A blinky light, she is blinking, let's go. What is this, a toy? This is my car, Le Maximum. It is illegal now in most of the EU for its massive size. It's so needlessly spacious, I feel guilty. They, um, they kept showing me cups for that scene with Ty and the tiny cup, and I kept going, nope, smaller. <laughs> nope, smaller, smaller, smaller. And he we're, I'm, we're not sure it's registering on camera. Smaller. Smaller. <laughs> yeah. He came back with his like, tiny, tiny, perfect, that's it. <laughs> Almost can't hold it, it's so small. I'm yeah, really Sam, regretting gigantic cup as well. put that in my jacket, yeah. Um, it's probably as well. We're talking about creative license, but but probably one of the few things where you can you can get away with heightening stereotypes and things like that as well. And yeah. Jean Pierre kind of pulls on all those you know those French characters that we we've, yeah. we've seen little bits here and there of. Well, when you're playing with Sam the Eagle, he's a, such a super patriotic American. Yeah. Obviously, the person he's going to hate the most in the whole world is a super European French guy. <laughs> well, I so mean, that was perfect. I, it almost feels like if it was possible to create a country, one country that was called Europe, we would have done that. <laughs> like, if I, if, I, if I could have spoken European, yeah. I would have. <laughs> but it was such, meant to be just sort of an overall, you know, Europe versus America. The French seemed to sort of, seemed to sort of accomplish that. But it's a very gentle lampooning. I mean, I'd like to speak lampooning. It does feel to me like National Lampoon's European vacation at a point. Yeah. But that's good. That's the kind of attitude it should have, I think. Where, where when you're writing it and I don't know if you, you, you considered how successful the first film film was as well, but you know, in terms of the tone that you want to you want it to feel and who you want it, because it does appeal to such a, a variety of ages. Yeah, well, it has to. I mean, I remember the Muppet Show when I was watching the seventies with at home with my in my granny's house. I watched it with my entire family, and we'd all watch it together, and we'd laugh at different bits. And I'd laugh at this bit, and I'd, then my dad would laugh behind me. I'd go, "What are you laughing at? This is my show." Yeah. And I think he felt the same thing. And I think this is about the idea that I'm now. I'm now the dad, and my daughter is now me, and I'm watching the film with her, and we're laughing at different bits, but really enjoying it together. And I love yeah. that idea, because that's I, pretty rare. I had a, a similar experience, and I, I think that it was, you know, one of the, uh, of its time, it was one of the few places where families were watching it at, uh, all at once. And I remember my dad laughing at Stadler and, and Waldorf, <laughs> and, and it, it influencing my sense of humor, basically, because I didn't really get what Stadler and Waldorf were talking about but I really thought my dad was hilarious <laughs> so then you kind of just go okay well that's funny whatever that is yeah, so yeah, eventually yeah. I'm going to figure that out <laughs> yeah. yeah um you've created a monster as well I hope you know that How do you in, mean? in Constantine oh I see yes yes because yes. even though he's the villain of the film I don't think people want this to be the end of him yeah. well, I hope it's not he's the, really funny he's yeah, hilarious funny. Uh, Matt Vogel who plays him in the first Muppets I did was played Uncle Deadly the kind of evil dragon guy and he was yeah, just yeah, really yeah. funny the whole time and so I thought he'd be very good for Constantine because he's very witty and also I knew I'd be casting someone you know Ricky against with him mm. and so to keep up with Ricky Gervais improvising you've got to be pretty funny and so he's just so fantastic from the out, out get go and he's obviously a brilliantly skilled puppeteer because 
initially we designed Constantine, he was a different color to Kermit. He was like a lighter green. Okay. And because I thought, you know, I don't want it to be confusing. But when when Matt performed him, not only is his hand a different shape, but he's also the physicality of the character he brings is so different. I realized you can make him exactly the same, and it wouldn't matter. You'd know it's not Kermit. Yeah. And so he's just such a it's so amazing, fantastic. And um, we'll talk more about that in a second. But this is a a, a clip with um with with Constantine and Ricky. Um, talking about their evil plan. Flawlessly executed, brother. What did you expect from world's most dangerous frog and number one criminal number two? Yeah, I know. You're number one, I'm number two. I think you mentioned that before. Now that we control the Muppet Tour number two, phase one of our plan is complete. We are now positioned to carry out greatest burglary. 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 Yes, of all time, infinite on those gullible muppets who will spend the rest of their miserable lives behind bars. Tonight, we steal the painting, and then we'll have all we need to steal the unstealable, the crown jewels of England. Ensuring that my name goes down in history as greatest thief of all time. You mean our names, right? Of course. My name first, then spacebar, 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 your name. You mentioned improvisation there. Was, was there much? Yes, in that clip you just saw, burglary, not written. Really? No, that happened. I mean, Gervais instantly got on very well with Matt, and so it was very quickly apparent they'd do some fun stuff. And yeah. sometimes it went on for far too long, <laughs> and sometimes <laughs> it really worked. And that one really worked, so it's in the movie. Wow, I hope we're going to have a, an extended, you know, kind yes, of extra. There is going to be a very long DVD yes. available later on, yes. <laughs> what about for, you, for your character, Ty? Was there much opportunity for you and Eagle to kind um, of have a bit of fun was. with that? There was. I don't think we didn't do a ton of it, but uh, there's little things here and there. It's At the end, when you make up, there's a bit of stuff in there. Here comes the rain, one of yours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very sweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ty starts to cry when he hugs Sam at the end. It's very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Here comes the rain. <laughs> Um, it was interesting, um, earlier I heard Ricky say today, because someone asked a question about um, uh, about kind of, I think they were talking about other fictional characters, and, and he said the difference with this is they're real. And yeah. so you get to you get to act opposite someone because you forget that these... Oh, as opposed to like a CGI. As opposed to like a CGI yeah. or a, you know, a tennis ball, that type of thing. Because you forget that these puppeteers are incredible stand-up comedians, actors, yeah. and it's, it's there, it's in front of you. Yeah. That make it easier. Oh yeah, uh, uh, you know, having done both, it, it really is. It's an incredible thing. And these guys are so, they're so, ex guys, guys, men and women are, are so experienced at, uh, at it and are so, are so present yeah. that, that uh, you know, the, ev every scene is different because of it. Uh, you know, every, everything's affected by it. it it's, uh, you really, I said that before, but you're really kind of trying to keep, keep up with them. Mm. Yeah, you really, you really feel they're real. Like I feel like I know Steve Whitmire who plays Kermit, but I also know Kermit the Frog, who's a different person in my mind. So it's a very strange experience. Mm. Yeah. I had to sit next to him at a press conference today, and it was just like he's looking at me. It's actually Kermit looking at me. Yeah, it's, it's, a, crazy, it's a crazy thing, isn't it? Because the 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 first you know the first day of my filming, which was actually that the train scene, yeah. I my first day was with every Muppet essentially, yeah. and. If you were to see, you know, you grow up admiring something or somebody, and then you see them 30 years later, or even what you just see somebody like a week later, you know, you see a celebrity, and they, they look more, 
human. They're, they've aged. There's flaws. When you see the Muppets, they're the, they're, it's your childhood right in front of you. you know? It's an incredible thing to have them be exactly what they always were. And mm. uh, I mean, it's really absurd and, and wonderful and nerve-wracking. Well, that's something that, you know, you know from, from the old TV shows and stuff, there's this warmth from, from that family, you know, and family's part of that whole thing as well, theme that comes out in the film. Um, you've, you've managed to hold on to that, and it feels incredibly true to what the Muppets started off trying to be about as well in your films. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, it's, they're very innocent. You know, they're very optimistically innocent, and I love that about it. So much of the world these days is ne neither of those two things, so it's nice to have one last bastion of that <laughs> idea. Um, and it's what I remember from being a kid that about the warmth, about the fact that they're not very good at what they do. They are, you know, Fozzie's a bad comedian and Gonza's a terrible stuntman and Piggy can't really sing. But they try their best and also they kind of support each other and together they can do amazing things. And again, that's a message that will never ever date. And I think that's why we love them is because they are the, you know, essential underdogs. It's so nice. I don't want to give anything away with regards to cameos because there are some incredible, just genius positioning of cameos in this film as well how do you how do you go about that do you write it in initially and then you approach people people come to you yeah please both. let me be in the yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you get both i mean well often nick and i will be writing and we have an idea which is very specific for a person i don't want to give thing away because obviously there's some good ones in yeah. the film but often we have a person's name who's in the script and like well i can say celine dion's in the film we know that right so celine dion was an idea we had when piggy has a kind of crisis about her love life and it's like, uh, it, she emotes it through a song. And so she's gonna get a, a, you know, love advice from some guardian angel character, who would be the most amusing person to show up halfway through the song, would be Celine Dion. <laughs> and so obviously we phoned her up and thinking she'd never say yes, and she said yes. Because people love the Muppets, it's amazing. And so she said yes, and so the next day we're on set and she you know, walks on from the side and sings a duet with Piggy, and it's totally lovely. And it's that, one, that great thing about the Muppets, that people have such an affection for them, yeah. that generally when you say, do you want to be in the Muppet movie? They say yes, which is great. I've never, I've never come across somebody when you say like, do you like the Muppets? They're like, not for me. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah, you can get thing. anyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could have anyone within scheduling yeah. reasons, you know. So yeah, yeah so. I'm sure they change it. Um, right, I'm sure you guys have some questions. So um, don't leave it to the last minute. Get in straight away with questions. Good girl, right in the middle there, and we've got a microphone winning its way to you now. There we go. Um, just to ask, if you had a choice, would you be a man or a Muppet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm dangerously close to being both, so I don't think I have to make that, that Sophie's choice. I think these days I'm almost 100% Muppet, I'm afraid. I've been doing it for too long now. <laughs> <laughs> great question. Next one, right behind you. If you could pass the mic behind you, that'd be great. Um, can I ask you, to, uh, James, can you tell us a little bit more about your writing process? How does it, you know, from you sit down, blank sheet of paper, then, you know, do you work at a structure? Do you brainstorm? What do you do? Yeah, I mean, blank sheet of paper is the worst case scenario, obviously. You don't, <laughs> I mean, generally, I think writing is about getting anything down and then working from that way onwards. We had an idea for this one we wanted to do with it. So uh, I'm also a great believer in outlining scripts. You really want to outline it from the very early stage and get a sense of where it's going to go. So we had an idea. We had the character in mind of Constantine, a good doppelganger for Kermit. We had a structure we wanted to do, and we break it down into like a... I don't know, a 20 page outline, and that's how we work to begin with. And then once you get writing, I'm obviously I'm writing with Nick, and in my experience, that is a bit easier because I'm having a conversation with a friend sometimes, and it's sometimes easy to get started. But generally, the rule of thumb for me is always get something down, no matter what it is, because you can always come back and do it again another time and make it better, but always, always get something down because you have something to work from. Um, so it's a long, obviously, it's a, very, it's a very simplified version of it, and it takes months. But generally, you know, the work is often in the outline, and if you get that right, then the rest of it comes fairly straightforwardly. 
Do you like sit in an office and do it? Do you like kind of? No, I go to, make, I go to mix house and we eat sandwiches and we write the <laughs> script together. This is lovely. It's like one of my best times ever in the, on the whole process. It's eating sandwiches and writing jokes. That's really fun. Yeah. But I also write films by myself. So I, that's just my in my office at work. I just sit by myself a computer, which is less sociable, but you know you can do it. Yeah. Next question. Um, Ty, I thought your French accent was really good, and I'm just wondering. <laughs> I'm just wondering, has your French accent always been that good, or did you have to practice? Well, I'm not sure where to start. Um, I'm not sure if it was great, but uh, uh, thank you for saying that. That's very nice. I, I had There was a wonderful woman named Jill McCullough. Uh, by the way, your American accent is fantastic. Um, uh, a wonderful woman named Jill McCullough, uh, who is a really talented dialect coach, would... You know, I worked with her sort of via Skype before. Well, I should go back and even before and sure. say that James, in the first phone call, I had said, uh, I, I don't remember, some sort of like pretentious question about like, where in France should I try to locate this accent? And he was ba basically, he said, in the comedy region of France. <laughs> in the comedy area of France. And French accent 101, is what yeah, I said. I yeah. Yeah. Um, so I had very loose boundaries, which makes it much easier because I'm not Daniel Day-Lewis. I hate to. <laughs> oh, come uh, on. <laughs> yeah. um, but uh, so I worked with her and then on set she would, um, I would finish and she was basically there nearby to come and, and do it correctly after I'd finished. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, I had somebody there. I, I kind of was just slowly trying to get her to, to just do it instead of me, like to just dub my, <laughs> dub my lines. But, you know. <laughs> How much of um, how much of the character was was created, and how much were you allowed to be involved in in kind of you know? Uh, well, who he was. As James said earlier, and James made it clear from the beginning that we had very very you know loose boundaries, which was amazing. <laughs> um, but it was an obvious homage to who you would think, which was Clouseau and. And I guess Poirot and any other, you know, any of all French people ever. Have yeah, you seen? Have it's, you it's a thousand, a, a night of a thousand French stars. <laughs> or even, in fact, have you seen the British comedy from I think the eighties, Hello Hello, the French yeah, policeman he's slightly there in there as well. That, you you know. need to watch that. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and probably even, you know, it's such a, it's such an amalgam. It's like also borrowing from people, other people who have imitated other French <laughs> performances. <laughs> Um, but that's what's so fun about the Muppets, too, though, is that it holds everything. It really does seem to hold everything. It's just as long as the spirit is right, and it has, they've always had such an earnest feeling to them, and if the spirit is that earnest spirit, I think it seems like it holds everything. Yeah. Any more questions from you guys? Oh, here we go. Oh, yes, look who she's got with her. That's a great beaker you I'm have so there. I'm so glad you asked the question. I was hoping you were going to. Hi, um, I was going to say, if you can't pick a favourite Muppet, which I was going to ask that, but um, right. which one do you feel you relate to the most? I've, well, that's hard. I would well, it's say easy I've for me because it's Kermit because he has my job. Kermit and I are the same yeah, person. Oh, yeah. you know, I'm in charge, he's in charge. He has the same problems that I have in yeah. wrangling the Muppets to make a film or he makes make a show. <laughs> I am Kermit, he is me. That's the, who I most relate to. I've floated enough bad jokes out there to qualify me as a, as a Fozzie Bear. <laughs> yeah. Waka waka. Uh, okay, gentlemen, right here in the corner. Thank you. Uh, James, on behalf of Muppet fans everywhere, I want to thank you for making two amazing films. My pleasure. <laughs> Are you up? <laughs> Are you up for making a third film and are there any plans in the pipeline already? 
I'd love to, of course. I mean, look, I spent four years with these guys, and I've always loved them all my whole life. And I, now I've met them, worked with them, I love them even more. So they're like my friends now. So I'd love to. They're, we haven't got any plans, but you never know. Like, this film very much has an open ending, like they all should do. And Muppet films don't necessarily follow other ones. So you, they can literally do anything. They're amazing. And I'm so pleased to have kind of... My daughter, when I first started making the Muppets films, didn't know who they were. And that felt like totally wrong to me. So I'm so pleased now. She not only knows who they are, but she now starts watching old Muppet Show DVDs. And that's really fun. And I love that. that this is a very important thing for me that puppeteering is a very old traditional form of entertainment and we're like the last people doing it and I really want to keep that going so for me I really hope so Does the Muppets feel like a, an, a British thing to you or an American thing to well, you? Well weirdly yes more? because of course in, I watched it as a kid thinking it's a show from, the, from England but happened to have Americans in it <laughs> but yeah. if you go to America they think very differently where they completely think it's an American show but it has a slightly weird Anglo feel to it in a way because obviously by the end of this Muppet show there were English writers on the Muppet show and English crew English director and all that sort of thing so, so what, e what exactly is the, that history? well basically the show was made here right. in, in between 1976 and 1981 okay. uh, for five years because Jim couldn't get it going in, in America he, okay. he pitched it to ABC in 1974 and they said no because adults would never like puppets and so he very cleverly brought it to here to Lou Gray ATC or whatever it's called, ATV, and he's, Lou Gray saw the potential of it and said, let's make this show. So they brilliantly made the show in England and then sold it back to America for a huge amount of money. And so they made, <laughs> did, did really well out of it. So good luck to him. <laughs> I, think exactly. I, think there, I, I, I do think that there was a sensibility that with the Muppets yeah, that, that totally. we that was exotic in some weird way that we but obviously didn't know anything about we had uh, you know weren't aware of yeah yeah it but my anyway. theory about that is when you're writing you can't help but be you can't help but absorb your environment so if yeah. these guys like Jerry yeah. Jewell and you know, Frank are you know, also living in England when you go home at night you watch the goodies or you watch Monty Python or whatever yeah. and this very much feels like that sort of mm -hmm. thing yeah. and so even though they were American they were living in England therefore you can't be, but be influenced by your environment so I'm pretty sure it's got a very interesting Anglo-American tone which is why to Americans it feels like a weird show because it has an yeah. English element yeah, to yeah, it yeah I, I think that's that sounds right. From your history of, of watching it um, growing up, who is your favourite guest? I like Peter Sellers, but that's because I'm quite dark. <laughs> <laughs> and Peter Sellers in the show, Kermit says to him, why do you never appear as Peter Sellers? And Peter Sellers looks him straight in the eye. This is on t live, TV, live TV, effectively. And he says, I don't know who that is anymore. It's like the saddest, most heartbreaking oh, thing I've ever seen an actor say on TV Only and be kept in, like yeah. real, emo like real. And so for me as an adult, that's an amazing thing. But he's also very funny in the show, but yeah. it's like, that's incredible. Only to a Muppet could you admit that sort of thing. It's amazing. <laughs> you know what's crazy is that I, I genuinely don't remember the guest stars. <laughs> I, I really don't. I remember, I think the Muppets were such a strong presence and we watched every week. But I just, I think, uh, you know, it's kind of like when you watch kids actually be in the same room with the Muppets. Yeah. They don't notice the puppeteer. They're, they're, they're very drawn to the, the, the imagination and the creative part of the actual, of the puppet. Yeah. Um, to me, it's just, my memories are, are kind of like uh, sketches of the, in, the intro and of the Swedish chef and you know, flashes of all of that stuff, but not no, no humans at all. Eggs in space. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but that intro as well is is when 
I yes, obviously, as soon film. as I could do that, I did that straight away because that's the thing everyone remembers so well, the opening oh. scene. And actually, that thing is incredibly hard to shoot. If I'd known how hard that was, <laughs> really? I probably would have put it in two movies because now in this one and the first one, this one has a version in Spanish which is really mm. fun in Madrid. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's a really complex thing. And in fact, if you look at it, there's a good book called Of Muppets and Men, which is a 70s book about how they made the Muppet show. And the cover of that is the part of them filming the opening sequence. Yeah. And it's guys in gigantic flares holding puppets up, basically. <laughs> but it's a really funny idea of how they made it. And that is a very complex thing to shoot. What was the hardest thing to shoot on this, this film? Uh, on this one, it, uh, there's an opening number, which is called We're Doing a Sequel, uh, where there's a shot where they're basically sort of Busby, Berkeley, Esther Williams tribute thing, where it's a group of Muppets, which is always the hardest thing to shoot moving, and they come down a staircase, which is impossible. And then, because obviously as they're coming down a staircase, you have to fill in the set behind them because the set otherwise would be a gigantic hole. So as they move towards camera, we have guys under the stairs pulling the stairs up to make it feel real. And then at the end of that move, which is impossible, we pan over to like 20 swimmers who dive in in sequence in time to the music. And that shot That's took- That's a oneer. That's that a oneer. Wow. It took me all day to do that shot. And I was like seriously sweating yeah. at the end of the day. But yeah, that wow. was a big one. Wow. Any more questions from you guys? Gentlemen here. Do you see this film as a homage to the great Muppet caper? Well, to a degree, yes. Obviously, they, they, they have done a caper movie before, 1978 or what it was. So... Uh I love that film. I think it's fantastic, and the performances are fantastic. But the story, this is very different. But I felt there's no harm in once this film's really for me about once they were back together again as a family, what they would do next. And I wanted it to be kind of an adventure film. And I think the caper is such an old school idea. The Muppets fit really nicely into it. And of course, people remember the caper very fondly. So it feels like a Muppet kind of universe place. So it felt like a very natural progression. So it's a kind of a tip of the hat to it rather than homage, I guess, in some way. And our last question: Who would like? Little guy at the back. Hello. Should we hold on? Let's get a microphone to you. <laughs> How is it like filming in London? <laughs> so fun. I, I, uh, my wife uh, loves this city so much, as do I. But my wife, uh, when I found out that I was shooting over here, was elated, and we <laughs> we walked all over the city. And you have an you have an amazing home. Yeah, well, I loved it, obviously, because I'm from here. Even though I live yeah. in LA now, I'm, it's like coming home for me. But also for the Muppets, it's like coming home, because the show is from here. So it felt really nice to bring everyone back. And in fact, what I could do is I could hire puppeteers who hadn't done Muppets since the 70s. Louise Gold, who played Annie Sue in The Muppet Show, I got her back to be Annie Sue in this movie. Oh, wow. And that was a really cool thing to be able to do, so that was really fun. Wow, amazing. Yeah, very really cool. amazing. What an amazing story and a great way to end our, our Q&A tonight. Uh, the film's out uh, this weekend, guys. Um, go and see it. It's, it's everything that you want it to be and more. And thank you so much for your time and your questions tonight. Thanks, Thanks guys, everybody. James, everyone. <laughs>